Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Tape Measure Takes, getting into it once again for this season. Um, as always, it is your host, Rai Rai, and as always, joined by Chris, a.k.a. Schwabzy. Hi, friends. And uh, this week is a very special week, episode 71, getting into our 2021 fantasy baseball episode. We're going to start with the AL this year. But we do have a couple of, well, one major, well, no, both major news stories that, that broke in the past week since we last recorded. Um, I think there's no better place to start than Fernando Tatis signing a 14-year, $340 million extension with the San Diego Padres. You know, I didn't realize that we, like, went on hiatus at episode 69. Mm-hmm. We, should, we could have just left it there. We could have. Never said anything. Just left it at episode sixty nine. Per- perfect, perfect meme. Come and come, come back with like uh, I don't know, like like a new series, like Marvel does all the time, just to make it funnier. Would have been great. Season two could have also been sixty nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Just always ended at episode sixty nine. But uh, yeah, Tatis got a major deal, three hundred forty million, and he deserves every penny of it, and probably more. Uh, it's good. I, I think it's good for all parties involved, and there's more parties than you would think. There are. Um, is BLA Baseball... What? I don't even know what it stands for. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. They're getting 15% of this contract. Wait, was it 15%? Uh-huh. Because I had heard it was an undetermined amount. So, based off what they have publicly... Public available knowledge is every $50,000 they loan, it's typically 1.2% up to a maximum of 15%. And, and is it confirmed that Tatis got the maximum? Yeah, because his dad was in monetary trouble when he was in the minor leagues, so it's assumed he took got the maximum. Assumed. I don't, I don't yeah. want to, you know I don't like to assume. But, but even think about it, it's him two, two years in the minors. You know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is still five, close to five percent. Didn't he, he? Did he not get a signing bonus? He did, but I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, so I mean, he he's giving up a chunk of his salary. I don't I don't yeah. want to commit to a number, but he's giving up a large chunk of his salary. It could be up to an absolutely massive amount of money. But the 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 thing that. I keep returning to is that it doesn't really like unless you're talking like half, which it's not even close to like he's not giving up like he's still going to make a ton of money is where I keep returning to. And the the money that he borrowed was probably able to further his career and get him to a point where he could get this contract. I yeah. a lot of people have been saying that the BLA uh, thing is is like predatory, and it is in a way. But at the same time, they're also giving a lot of money to minor leaguers that they never recoup. So they are providing a service that is kind of necessary given the landscape, and the landscape sucks. But yeah, I don't... The, la- the landscape should not be like they right. should not be a thing or necessary. They shouldn't be necessary, but I don't. I don't think they're as evil as they're being made out to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so uh, I, I don't want to linger too long on the news stories because we have a lot to get through. <laughs> we do. Um, the second one is the now 
ex-Mariners president slash partial owner, uh, I forgot his first name, but his last name is Mayer, spoke at a Rotary Club presentation that got uploaded to YouTube and just absolutely jammed his entire foot all the way up to his knee in his mouth. Uh, Mather, right? Mather, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he basically said, well, he basically proved that every single thing that we thought owners thought that they do actually think. Yeah, it's true. Sur- service know. time manipulation, cheaping out, tanking. Uh, like he, it's like I feel like every time he mentioned one of his own players. Even if there was a positive, it was like buried with a negative or like a backhanded compliment. Like like oh, Kyle Seeger, who is like a Seattle Mariners modern legend. Yeah. Is like, he's like, yeah, this is probably his last year. Like Kyle Seeger's hey, wife was like, oh, I get him. We're overpaying him <laughs> yeah. for his last year. But that's what and, happens when you sign players to long term deals. Wasn't it only like four years? Yeah. Two. Kyle Seeger's wife on Twitter was like, well, I guess we should put our house up for sale, huh? Yeah. It's it's just ridiculous. And the weird, he to- the weird one was going after Julio Rodriguez for not speaking English. And by all accounts that aren't Mather, he does speak pretty good English. He hired a tutor <laughs> with his own money to learn English. I, I love speaking poor English in stating that someone else speaks English well. He speak English good, yeah. He, he speak English good, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it was just weird across the board. And, like, Jared Kalenic has a slam-dunk grievance case now. Against, like, absolutely. I don't want to call it a slam-dunk grievance case because we thought Chris Bryant had a slam-dunk case and he didn't win. It's so hard for a player to win one of those. But if anyone's I mean, going an to... Owner, I mean, you have an owner yeah. admitting they manipulate... They on purpose intentionally manipulated a service time on video. You don't often have that. Right. It does yeah. feel it, it kind of feels like they are going to be forced to bring him up on April first. Like well, I feel like they kind of have to. Well you point. might as well you might as well now because he's he's gonna win. Right. So, and it's to save face also. They kind yeah. of have to do it to be like, look, we're not that bad. Like, we're not monsters hey, like look. Mather. Hey, look, we called up Kalenic. We're not like him, even though you yeah. absolutely are. Anyway, seven minutes is probably way too much time to spend on the news knowing well, everything we have to get through. It, it does. We, it, it does. It's worth mentioning that on top of the financial nonsense, like there was also racial overtones. At, yeah. Like, like talking talk about not wanting to pay interpreters and, you know, bashing Julio Rodriguez for his supposedly poor English. It's, it's, it was just gross on top of, you know, confirming all of our beliefs. And I get he's a co-owner, but, and that made it a little bit harder, but there was absolutely no way they should have let him resign. He needed to uh, be fired in quotation marks. It's like, you can't fire me, I resign kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it was. I feel like it was kind of like that Tom Tom Brennan Brenneman thing where it's like he's been there for so long, like they were going to give him that option. God bless the Tom Brenneman bot, by the way. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, so on to fantasy, fun yes. stuff. Yeah, so we're going to do the same thing we did last year. 
Um, so we're going to do a breakdown team by team. Um, and we're going to do three things, which is first, a fantasy target who you might not be thinking about, or in some cases is pretty obvious. Um, who to avoid from that team. And lastly, an underrated player or two from that team. Yeah, so mainly uh, like when I'm thinking targets, I'm generally thinking guys who are kind of kind of underrated in their own way, but are still getting drafted. Whereas for my underrated players, I kind of want people who are like well off the radar. So we're talking for, for like targets, you're thinking in the, for me, it's like in your first 300 ADP. And then for underrated guys, it's like, you know, four or 500. For some of the ones I picked, it was guys who I thought are getting way underdrafted who deserve a look at a higher ADP a little bit. So we're starting the AL East. We are. Baltimore Orioles are up first. Actually, I think the Orioles are an interesting team because uh, there are a few teams in the AL that are like this where there's not many people on the team who are must-drafts. Uh, like there, there aren't that many Orioles who are going to be in like a standard league starting lineup, but there are plenty of guys who will be on rosters throughout the year as they, you know, their performance ebbs and flows throughout the year. So the the guy that I'm targeting in like the mid rounds is John Means. He had a pretty outstanding rookie year. He got rookie of the year votes, and then uh, in 2020, he kind of. Uh, he, he he had an interesting season in that like he got ticks of velo, but his performance was worse. Generally, added velo portends future uh, a performance uptick. So I'm kind of banking on that added velo to stick around and to have the performance follow. Yeah, but also where he's being drafted, if you overdraft him slightly, it also won't hurt you too much in terms of fantasy drafting. Right, not at all. Yeah. He's he's like he's like gonna be like the sixth starter on your team, something like that. And uh, as for players to avoid on Baltimore, there's not really anyone because there just aren't any Orioles being drafted that high, you know? Yeah. It's like the the only one I might like I, I'm not winding up with Mount Castle or Santander <clears throat> on my teams just because they're they're the range that they're going in, there are just guys that I like more. Although Mount Castle is a fantastic target in uh, like dynasty keeper leagues, just because you know he's he's young and has plenty of good years ahead of him in the middle of a lineup, supposedly. I know you have him an underrated, but like for me, one of the guys I might avoid drafting would probably be Trey Mancini because he's been away from baseball for a year and a half plus. It's true, but the last time we saw him, he was hitting two ninety one with thirty five dingers. That is also true. Like he was it, hitting the ball. It, yeah, it was with the 2019 crazy bounce ball, but still, that's those yeah. are some nice numbers, especially the 291. The mixing the power and the average is always nice. Right, um, totally. So as for underrated players, there are a pair of Orioles starters who I kind of love in Dean Creamer and Keegan Aiken. Uh, I'd probably lean Creamer out of the two, but last year in limited innings, I think Aiken struck out like 30 guys in 20 innings or somewhere around there and showed some really filthy stuff, but... Uh, those are guys that in deep leagues you do not want to forget about. The Orioles pitching in general is kind of on the upswing because they have Means, Aiken, Creamer, and in coming years they're going to have D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez too. So that's the makings of a nice young rotation there. They, they really do. Absolutely. 
So actually, uh, just so that I'm not talking for huge lengths of time in a row, why don't we go to one of your teams? All right, cool. So we'll jump to the AL Central to mix things up a little bit, and we're going to start with the White Sox, who are probably one of the most interesting teams. And for my target for this team, I went completely off board. I'm talking Lucas Giolito here. And you're like, that's insane. He's the seventh starting pitcher in the draft. So what are you talking about? Why is he your pick? He showed signs of finally becoming the ace in 2019 and really started to put it together in 2020. And I think he's going to take a step forward. He's only projected out with a 3.75 ERA and a 1.18 whip, depending on it. Some people have him as low as a 1.08. He has the K rate is climbing closer to 11. The walk rate's coming down under 3.5 now. It squarely puts him in the top tier of starters, but at the end of the top tier of starters. And if I'm looking at the guys that are getting drafted above him right now, I'm taking him over Trevor Bauer and Walker he deserves to be one of the top four starting pitchers taken in fantasy this year. That's a, that's a, that's bold because you generally have your your real, very defined first tier, which is Degrom, ba- uh, sorry, Degrom, Bieber, Cole in yeah. basically whatever order you want. Yeah. Although I prefer Degrom at the top, and then there's like a tier of like seven, six or seven guys right below that, and I see them ordered like any which way. So you said you like Giolito at the top of that second tier. I do like Giolito at the top of that second tier. That's cool. Uh, Giolito has a fun thing going on this next year where he has supposedly been working on a new pitch called a downer. He, like, he doesn't want to call it like anything that already exists, but uh, I'm really inter- interested to see if that becomes something. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, the player I am avoiding tremendously on the White Sox this year from drafting is Yohan Moncada. Um, he had an incredible breakout in 2019, and I understand he got a late start in 2020 coming off of the COVID, recovering from COVID, but everything was down and he looked like the player he was before the breakout year, but striking out even more. And I think that is extremely worrying if you were thinking about drafting him this year. So I think, I think the risk with him is kind of built into the price and he has spoken at length of the effects that COVID had on him. Like someone like Freddie Freeman, like he shook it off. But Moncada said that it haunted him like all year long. So mm-hmm. I'm, act- I'm, I'm actually willing to take a chance on Yon Moncada. But uh, what about underrated players? I'm going with the, the top prospect they had a couple of years ago. It's kind of been overshadowed in Chicago in the South Side. I'm going with Aloy Jimenez. Um, a lot of places, uh, fan graphs, the bat projections included, have him kind of going into a breakout year, 35 to 38 home runs. Some have him at 101 RBIs. Some have him as high as 107 RBIs as that, that fifth or sixth bat in Chicago. And he's not going to walk or steal bases like some outfielders will do, but he's going to hit the ball very hard and give you those power numbers in fantasy. Yeah, big boy hit ball far. It's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. And he's he's fun because he's got he's got like that kind of I don't care swag about him with the unbuttoned jersey, the chain, the uh, I mean, glaring glaring at Luis Robert as Robert wanders into left field to catch <laughs> his fly balls. I, I like yeah. I like Eloy. I do too. And, and people people have him as high as like thirty four on their average draft picks, and some have him as low as seventy. So there is definitely some people that have started I think over 
not necessarily overdrafting him, but drafting him probably where he should be. Yeah, he's been drafted as high as 17 in NFBC leagues. And uh, if you're wow. if you're not yeah, if you're not familiar with NFBC, that is basically like your paid leagues, your expert leagues. So that's that's very high praise for uh, Eloy. Yeah. So bouncing back up to the AL East, let's talk about the Red Sox. Yep. Who who are you targeting in Boston? The, the Red Sox were a garbage fire last year, but they're projecting like super well, like really well, better, basically better than anybody would have thought. Like if you just went off what they did last year, and that's largely because of what we're about to talk about. So I, I think this is the last year that we look at Verdugo as like the guy that got traded for Mookie because we're looking at like a four to five win player who is young and has potential for improvement. Absolutely. He yeah, he doesn't provide a ton of power right now, but I, I think like a slow start and some ugly stat cast sliders are making people like him less than they probably should. He might be a better real life player than fantasy, but that doesn't mean he's not good in fantasy. I, I think he's going to outperform his ADP. Like he makes a ton of contact. I think his skill set plays in Fenway and some other AL East parks that are favorable for lefties. So on Verdugo, I know he showed power in LA but then had the was it a broken back yeah he did and, he had something, something and not like being that. able to like get around on balls might hurt his power to start out with until he gets comfortable again too so yeah something to watch out for from what I've heard he's all all systems go for uh for 2020 yeah okay well that's good I, w- I'm, I was just wondering because you know you hear players talking all the time, like um, Adam Eaton, when he was coming back from his torn ACL, was like, yeah, you know, they told me I could sprint 100% on it, but I didn't sprint 100% on it for like four months after they told me that. So. Yeah, I mean, and players always kind of like overemphasize their health at this time of year, just because, yes. you know, new, new year, new me, I'm, I'm good to go. They, they love that mentality. It's their but, New Year's resolution period. I mean, it, it's kind of all we have to go on at this point. And if he says he's good, uh, you know, let's hope he's good. Let's hope so. It's a uh, to watch. Yeah, as for avoids on the Red Sox, I'm I'm not buying sale in his Tommy John return. Uh, and I am not buying a huge bounce back for J.D. Martinez. Because the, the indicators, like, like, JD's batted ball metrics have been kind of uh, on a downward slope for a few years now, and they just absolutely cratered last year. So I'm expecting a bounce back, but maybe definitely not to his previous levels. As for sale, uh, we've we've been waiting for a sale injury for years. It finally happened, and I I just I don't know if he's going to be one of those guys that bounces right back like some some other players from injury. Uh, I'm just worried that he's going to be plagued for the rest of his career and i i might be wrong i'm probably wrong and you're probably like any innings that he pitches are going to be good innings it's just i i'd rather take other pitchers in that range with his mechanics coming back from tommy john surgery because he does under flex his elbow joint it might be harder for him to come back yeah i mean he's going in in like the 250s which means you know you can take the risk. It's not going to hurt you too much, but it's just not going to be me. Yeah, no, totally agree. Now, totally agree. as for underrated players, I honestly think 
every single Red Sox pitcher outside of sale at starting pitcher is underrated in some way. And for a couple of them, like uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, Garrett Richards, that's probably injury related. They, uh, you know, Erod had his heart thing after COVID. Uh, Garrett Richards is perpetually injured, but both of them have <laughs> been, yeah, they've both yeah. been very good pitchers in the past. Eovaldi has shown that he's got ace caliber stuff when everything's working well. And speaking of Chris Sale's, uh, what do you call it, mechanics, Tanner Houck is actually like a mirrored Chris Sale in some ways. He's got real. He's really interesting, and I like him a lot as a late round dart throw. If you're trying to like, you know, go for a, a diamond in the rough pitcher late in the draft. Okay. So yeah, I can like see, really, I can see, I can see all four of those guys. Do, do you remember how many games do you think uh, Eduardo Rodriguez won in 2019? I had him in fantasy that year, and I don't even remember. He won 19 games. I knew it was more than I thought it was. I was going to say 14 or 15. Yeah, in the year of the home run, he he won like 19 games with a, a like a 3.8 ERA, and I that was his I, second consecutive year of a, like a 3.8 ERA. He's good. I think he's I really good. Him, I think I picked him up as an undrafted free agent after he threw like 7.1 innings in his first start of the year, like yeah, a right. shutout, and I was like, hmm, I need pitching. This might be a good pickup. And Rodriguez is going like relatively close to Tommy John, Chris Sale. Like, really? I don't get uh, it. Once again, we're getting the spring training. He's full systems go, and he's very healthy, supposedly. So, yeah. Okay. Where where to next? How about Cleveland. Cool, Cleveland. Cleveland's good. Cleveland rocks. Um, even though they traded yeah. Francisco Lindor, um, there are some really really interesting um names in Cleveland, and obviously, what a lot of it's talked about with them is their pitching. So I'm going to talk about pitching with my other two, but for my target, I'm going with Eddie Rosario. He's going 110th average draft pick overall right now and is projected to sit just at about 30 home runs and 100 RBIs in Cleveland. You see, and if you have a league where you have to have right field, left field, center field guys is eligible in right field, left field in those leagues too so he gives you some flexibility there he's going about 40 to 50 draft points lower than a lot of the other guys that are projected at the 30 100 plateau and so there's yeah. a lot of room there in fantasy drafts with this with rosario yeah i i've been an owner of rosario in my al only league for a couple of years now and in batting average leagues like him a lot if it's an obp league stay away he does not walk ever but yeah, he's. Uh, I, I think he's kind of underrated at this point. I think like these guys that don't get signed like they should because of you know weird league money dynamics. I feel like they kind of get underrated because people like Jock Peterson, like people look at them as worse players because teams don't want to pay them. Yeah. Also, like he's gonna bat like nine hundred against the Twins this year, so very possible. You have you have him for those games, and it's gonna be great. Revenge is um, part of the Bomba Squad. But yeah, I'm absolutely targeting Eddie Rosario to, to overdraft him right now. 100, 108 or 109 in some drafts, I think, is, is way too low for what he is. For my avoid, I'm going to talk about Cleveland pitching. I'm going to talk about Zach Plesak. Um, He's projected to finish 9-9 nine and nine if you're in a pitcher win and loss league. 
He's projected at about 4.21 to 4.34 ERA and about a 4.5 to 4.6 FIP and about 140 to 154 Ks, depending on what projections you're using. He's an average draft pick overall of 75 right now for those numbers. And a top 30 pitcher coming off the board between 26 and 30. And at where he is being drafted, hard pass. Uh, I'm a little bit conflicted about Zach Plesak because... I don't necessarily see what all the hype is about, but I also know a lot of really smart people who are really into Zach Plesak. So I'm I'm a little bit torn. Like I haven't wound up with him on any teams. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like if you draft him at the range he's going at, I'm like, okay, but it's it's just not going to be me. So I kind I kind of feel you there. I don't think he's going to be nearly as bad as the projections say. Uh, but I don't think yeah. so either. But. But it did play nicely to a player I wanted to talk about for my underrated. Because on the same team, another starting pitcher, Tristan McKenzie. He is projected to get two less starts than Plesak. Two to three, depending on the projections. Um, he has a similar ERA and FIP projection between 4.04 ERA and 4.2. And a FIP around 4.35, depending on what you're going with. And a slightly higher projected K per nine for almost the exact same amount of Ks. And he's being taken 100 to 120 picks lower than Plesak right now in most drafts. Yeah, I, I like T-Mac. I like, uh, I like Cleveland's pitching factory in general. I do too. Um, I don't necessarily believe much in like record projections at this point. I do think that Cleveland pitchers, with the exception of maybe Shane Bieber, are going to be wanting in wins leagues because of their offense being atrocious. But uh, I think quality start leagues, they're still going to be absolutely worth rostering. Yep. yep. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a McKenzie fan. I actually like both of them, I think, should be scooped up in dynasty leagues, like even earlier than they're going here because they're yeah. young. And like I said, I, I very much trust in the Cleveland pitching machine. Yep, absolutely. I was just blown away that their projections were so close together and they're being drafted 100 to 120 picks apart. Yeah, it's just... Like, the parallels were too much for me to not talk about. Playsack is coming off a year where he had, like, a 2.2 ERA or something. Yeah. And, like, he's he had one of those years where, like, his BABIP was stupid low, his strand rate was stupid high. So, like, regression's coming. It's just... it's I, I don't think it's just going to be as much as the projections say. All right, let's go back to the AL East and talk about the team down in the Bronx. I have nothing to say about the Yankees. Okay, uh, next team is... <laughs> no, no. Uh, as for like who to target, I don't really think there's anybody in the mid-rounds who I'm targeting out like much higher than their ADP. I think just because of the nature of them being the Yankees, most of their players tend to be properly or overrated the only guy that i might target like well above their adp is like aaron hicks and that's purely like he's he's similar to like stanton and judge in that like if he's healthy he'll produce but is he going to be healthy and uh speaking speaking of judge and stanton those are guys that i am very very much avoiding because like there have been studies of hitters who are that massive and they just don't stay healthy it's there are just very very few 
human beings of that size who have been able to play baseball successfully for a very long time. So there's going to be years here and there where Judge or Stanton or both stay healthy and perform well, but uh, I just I'm not willing to bet on it. Um, I'm I'm pretty risk averse when it comes to fantasy. I think uh, I'm, I'm learning over time. Slow, sometimes slow and steady wins the race in fantasy drafts rather than, oh my god, I can overdraft this guy here sometimes, which is what I am wanting to do. I, I will say I'm more likely to get Stanton than Judge because Stanton's going like way down in like the 10th round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. I, I Also, I do want to point out that Jamison Tyon, if he pitches anything like he did before he got hurt, then he is going to way, way overperform his ADP. Good to know. Uh, and there is, uh, I, I lied a little bit. There is one player in like the the sixth round who is kind of underrated for the Yankees, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's Glaber Torres. It's Glaber Ruth. Glaber Ruth. He is going around pick seventy in NFBC, and all like all he did wrong was have like a bad sixty game stretch. It, I think this is I think this is one of those cases of a small sample size dictating the groupthink way too much. Yeah, it's possible because I mean, is is he still going in like top five shortstops off the board, or is he falling out of that? Well, shortstop is stupid deep. Like you have to be so good to crack the top five shortstops. Uh, that's true. That is true. That is true. But yeah, seventy seems low for labor. He's actually the number 10 shortstop as of right now, and he's not even particular. He's not particularly close to number nine. Probably not. Yeah, fair enough. He's he him and uh, him and Javi Baez are in like a miniature shortstop tier of guys who used to be good and underperformed. So they're yeah. that are going around pick seventy. Cool. That and that to me says people just don't really know what to do with them. Like maybe they'll bounce back, maybe they won't. But I I think in Glaber's case, it's likely. So, points on them. how about the how about the Tigers? Man, I got to this, and I think I messaged you. How do I do this? So anyway, um, time to make Paul Spore mad at me. Um, no one to target from the Tigers. It's a little bit unfair. A little bit. A little bit unfair. There are a couple guys there who I actually like. I like Scoop and, and Candelario later in drafts. Um, scoop. Scoop. Scope. 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 Um, he he has position flexibility, which always helps out late in drafts um, with his pop. And maybe they get traded the deadline, and they go to a contender and pick up a few more RBIs in the second half in the league for you. Um, it's worth mentioning that second base kind of sucks. That is true. Second base does suck. So being him going so low, I think he's going in like two twenties, two tens. Um. Uh, no, he's going 390 right now. Yeah, no, he he's a fantastic late round pick for second base. And Candelaria is going about 265. Um, I think both those guys later in drafts, specifically if you want to fill out your entire roster before you go to your bench and you're looking for a second baseman, Jonathan Kopis. Therefore, yeah. Um, both are projected around the 22 home runs, 15 home, 15 doubles, 75 RBI mark. Um, but yeah, pretty much no one else, and avoid basically the entire rest of the Tigers team. Maybe yeah. draft Wilson Ramos late in a two-catcher league, 
Like, unless you really believe in one of their young starting pitchers. Which I'm going to talk about right now. Amazing segue to my underrated player. Um, Casey Mize has absolutely fallen out in drafting positions. Like, he's not projected to do very well at all. And I mean at all. But he's currently being drafted around 425. Um, in Yahoo leagues, he's going around 390. And I think if you need a fifth, if he make, if he gets the fifth starter spot, which is key to this conversation, because he's competing for it in quotation marks. But if he gets it around the 350 mark for a solid fifth starter, I don't think you can go wrong with Casey Mice because the upside is there. I bet. Like a, a storyline for this entire year is going to be how teams treat their young players compared to last year because last year and we we this was kind of predicted like a lot of young players got a shot last year in the weird season with no minor league games so I I wonder if we're going to see that continued aggression or if it's going to go back to the pre COVID norms of you know teams being pretty passive with their minor leaguers like I I wonder if Scooble and Mize are going to, you know, just get a full year of seasoning in double or triple A or whatever. Yeah, it's entirely possible. I mean, they said he is an open competition for the fifth starter spot, so maybe maybe he wins it. But open competition, but they're they're going against like fifteen time opening day starter Julio Terran. Yeah, exactly. So you know who's going to win that one? Oh God, I I, I want it to be Terran just so he can continue that ridiculous streak. I hope he yes. starts opening day. I hope he does too. But uh, um, on to a more, much more interesting team. <laughs> Very interesting team. Uh, the Toronto... No, the Dunedine Florida Blue Jays now, right? Yeah, the, the homeless Blue Jays. The, the migratory Blue Jays. Uh, we have my favorite target, I think, is actually an early round guy. And I, I've yelled... <laughs> I, I yelled at Rai Rai in the notes for... for you know, like picking easy targets with his targets, but here I am doing then, it myself. And then he goes and picks this guy. Unbelievable. But, but, but it's because I think he should be drafted well above where he is being drafted. Where is he being drafted? So I am talking about recent Blue Jay edition, George Springer, who is being drafted at 52 overall. And I think he's going to be much better than what? that. It's low. Uh, he's going to, he's, he's in a great lineup. He's in, I believe a really good ballpark and I just, he, he's still in his prime years and I just, I just don't see any reason for him to not just crush the ball this year. So, uh, one of my favorite projection systems, uh, the bat has him as like a top 10 hitter in all of baseball this year. Um, I, I think he's going to be a great veteran presence for that team. I, he's going to play every day. No reason for him not to. And yeah, I, I just, I love Springer this year. Cool. And I, as I, for, as for players to avoid, I very much do not like Kevin Biggio. Who's he, who he? Like, I'm surprised that I don't like Kevin Biggio because I tend to love players who walk a lot. I love guys with play, good play discipline, but I think he takes it to an extreme and it's such an extreme that it's a detriment to his overall production. So I'm, I just interesting. Yeah, I don't find him on any of my teams. Like the the 
huge amount of walks might help him. Like, like it definitely puts him in the position to steal more bases, but he's not like a burner who's going to steal 40 bases. Uh, it's just, I there are so many, uh, we, we talked about second base being not that deep before, but there are a lot of interesting players. And there's a lot of players that I'd rather take a shot on other than Biggio. Like Keston Hero is going after him. Brandon Lau is going after him. Marte McNeil. Those are all guys that I'd rather take a shot on than Biggio, even if not, they're not going to steal as many bases. Although, yep. that being said, if you're in an OBP league, draft Kevin Biggio. Oh. Uh, all right, so who's underrated on this team of just absolute studs? The perpetually underrated Marcus Semien, the other offseason addition for the Blue Jays. Um, I I just think that we're going to see something in between his amazing 2019 and his underwhelming 2020. Uh, in 2020, he started really poorly and started to pick it up at the end. So I, I think like his true talent level is definitely better than his overall line in 2020. And again, great lineup, good ballpark, lots of opportunity for runs and RBIs. I, and I think he's going to he's probably going to put up a, a double double as, as he has want to do. Uh, I, yeah, I, I like Semyon quite a bit, especially with where he's going. And oh, again, we mentioned second base not being that great. He's going to pick up second base eligibility pretty quickly. Yes, which is huge. All right. Should we talk about another second baseman? Sure. So let's go to Kansas City, um, where I think the obvious target here, as always, has been Whit Merrifield. And you're like, you're talking about another guy in the top 100 again. He's the second base. He's the second best second baseman. Has center field and right field eligibility. Um, and last I checked, is projected, you know, 15 home runs, 75 RBIs, 25 stolen bases, 35 doubles. He hits the ball. He accumulates a lot of stats for fantasy. He's the second best second baseman in leagues, and he's going 40 overall. Like, if you want a guy who can play second base, but you also want somebody who can flex, overdraft. This guy is primed to be overdrafted in your fantasy league again. Yeah, my only issue with him is that he's getting up there in years. I actually kind of got forced into taking him in a dynasty league that I just started up, like first year dynasty, and I'm really upset that I wound up with him, but I, I needed a second baseman, I needed steals. But uh, I, I do think he's going to be good for that for at least this year. He had a Deadline weird trade. Could be, yeah. But actually, I feel like I feel like he's one of those guys that like I think he's going to be like an Alex Gordon. He's going to retire uh, a Royal. He's got one year left, right? Two I think he. I, I think he winds up staying there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, he had a weird 2019 where he didn't really run, and 2020 he started running again. So really, you draft him and hope that that continues. Yeah, absolutely, and I I I feel like 40 is. A week is weak in terms of average draft pick for him. For what it's worth, I don't expect the weird power spike that he had to come back or continue. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Um, but yeah, apparently he's been drafted in in some expert leagues as high as eleventh overall. So yeah, that's that's we'll wacky. Uh, I've yeah, got him at absolutely. I've got him at a peak of twenty two in NFBC. Okay, cool. Because his peak on I forgot what it was. Fan tracks was eleventh. That's even like that's twenty two is blowing my mind. I want to uh-huh. I want to know who took him there. Anyway, the avoid the entire Kansas City pitching staff, like all of them, 
I, I kind of disagree on this one, but go on, go on. You've got guys that are projected out of their minds. I think the lowest projected uh, fifth on the team is a guy who's projected to is one of their relievers at like 3.5. Most of their starters are projected over 3.4, projected 3.5 ERAs, 500 records, K rates under 10. Like, it is a mess. Uh, so as as some as some of you know, I'm I'm a contributor over at PitcherList, and one of the analysts over there, Mikey Ahedo, who we've had on this podcast before, is Hopefully a huge. Hopefully, we'll have on again. Oh, soon. absolutely! But he is a huge Brady Singer fan, and Brady Singer is an interesting case because in in counts that aren't two strike counts, he is one of the most elite strike getters in all of baseball. But once it's a two strike count, that dips like precipitously. So if he can develop any sort of put-away pitch, he's going to be amazing. Primed for a breakout. Right. Any, any sort of development there with two strikes means he's a dangerous, dangerous pitcher. Uh, I, like, I like Singer a lot. Uh, and I'm not a big fan of Mike Miner, but he has been getting some buzz as like a, a, like a league average innings eater. Uh, we, we call them Tobies at pitcher list, like, uh, you know, just a streamer kind of. And Brad Keller is coming off basically a career year. Uh, so there are interesting arms here. Even Chris Bubich had his moments too, but I'm yeah. not really, I, I'm not definitely not drafting him. I mean, I'm not oh. drafting Brady Singer at 250, which is his average draft pick right now. I, I, absolutely, I absolutely would. But, uh, and one last I, note. I would draft him closer to 300. But that's just me. Yeah. One last note on Royals pitchers, uh, Daniel Lynch, if he gets called up, Snatch him up immediately. See, that's my note. That is my note on here. That if some of their prospects get called up early because of the bad pitching, draft mm. them or pick them up. Yeah. So, because I do like the guys in their system a lot more than who's projected to get hey. when he starts for them this year. Brady Singer was that guy last year. That's true. And then he's projected to be in the gutter this year. But anyway. Um, in terms of underrated, I think you can look at a lot of guys on the Royals, if we're being honest. The problem is, is they're all the same type of hitter. You've got a lot of the feast and famine guys on this team. Um, you've got Jorge Soler, who's going to hit 30 home runs, but is going to bat under 250. Same thing with Carlos Santana. Same thing with Hunter Dozier, um, who's going to obviously hit more doubles than those guys, too, and slightly less home runs. Um... Andrew Benintendi, maybe as well, you know, going 220 now, right now, might slip in like 180 if you need somebody with slight outfield positional flexibility. But you're going to be getting a singular type of hitter with the hitters that are available in the Royals that are, you know, going later in drafts. I actually, I, I've, I don't know if I'm on the record on this podcast, but I'm on the record as saying in various places that I think Kansas City is going to surprise people this year because I do like a few of their starters. And they made some like savvy offseason moves where they really patched some holes in the lineup. And if they're smart about platooning guys like Nicky Lopez or uh, Benintendi, maybe, uh, depending on how Benintendi rebounds, um, I think that like they have a pretty solid lineup. They they like 
What year was it the Twins hit like the most home runs ever and stuck into the wild card? 2018. I thought it was 18 when they stuck in. Nah, super bounce ball. Oh, yeah, 2019. That could be the Royals this year. Where they well, just hit an absolute uh, smattering of home runs and doubles. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't go that far just because they have like four or five guys in the lineup who aren't going to crack 20 home runs most likely. But I do, think they're, I, I do think they're going to be a much more competent lineup than people expect. Uh, and also, I, I, th- I think if they sorry, get any also, sort of oh, pitching. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, true. That's yeah. true. That's the thing I think they're they're missing to do that is they need like the one solid starter. It, it is worth mentioning that it, whenever Danny Duffy's healthy, he's worth having in a fantasy lineup. Yeah, some of these moves, some of these players are are interesting. Was, uh, Lucius Fox was the ace prospect, right? Uh, that sounds right in my head. Um, he went to Tampa Bay. I want to say he was San Diego, then Tampa Bay, then Kansas City. Yep, Tampa. Uh, San, yeah, San Francisco and Tampa Bay race. No, San Diego. No, it says San Francisco. What, was it? Was it San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Huh. He was in the um, uh, Longoria trade. Ah, uh, okay, that's that where I know sense. the name from. Yeah, it just uh, it was it was saying something. Yeah, but he's he's projected to be up. Bubba Starling's finally going to apparently going to be playing at the major league level. Uh, good luck with that. See if he can hit anything. God, that was well, that's a whole that's a whole episode. The twenty thirteen draft is a whole podcast episode. Yeah, why um, why don't I uh why don't I head back to the AL East and finish up the uh finish up that division? Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa right? Bay Rays. The Rays are a really interesting fantasy team because as we as, as we know, they just won the AL pennant. But they also have like very few fantasy relevant players for standard leagues it's only like eight uh if you figure it's like a 12 team league um yeah and one of those like one of those eight players who's being drafted in that range has never touched the major leagues so it's like really they only have seven fantasy relevant players right now unless you're speculating how high is wander franco going wander franco is going hang on hang on hang on Right at the tail end of standard drafts at 292. And so the guys that they have being drafted, like Glasnow, Rosarena, Lau, Meadows, Anderson, Yarbrough, Margot, like I kind of, I like all of them. I don't really think, like, I, I think most of them are appropriately valued as well. Um, the only the only one that's not really, I think, is Arazarena, but his range of outcomes is so wide that. Where do you draft him? Like, what? What's the I appropriate mean, range? He's gone as if, high as twenty four in NFBC and as low as a hundred. That's a big if, range. If playoff Randy comes out, absolutely deserves to be drafted there. But the problem is, it doesn't look like that's going to be reality. So, but playoff Randy is like a, a top three round guy, like easily. Yeah, easily. Easy. But I don't think that's who he's going to be. But if he but yeah. is, then you have to overdraft him if you want him. If you think he's going to do it, yeah. I didn't think that at his price I would wind up with a Rosarena in any leagues this year, but I have like two or three shares of him already. I keep winding wow. up with him. I, I do. I like him a lot. I'm a big fan of the the batting eye and the power and the speed runs too. Very but cool. um, as apparently I'm targeting a Rosarena, even though I'm not trying to. But uh, as far as guys that I like, when I'm just you know eyeballing these ADPs, uh, Brandon Lau springs out. 
Uh, I love him as a mid-round or early to mid-round second base pick because other like he so he's prone to slumps. So maybe he's more desirable in rotisserie than head to head. But when he's right, he hits the crap out of the ball. He's just constant hard contact. And I, I just really love having him on my teams because he I always seem to get him at a price that I really am happy with. And as for avoids, uh, we were just talking about him. Wander Franco, I, if it's a redraft league, I am not even thinking about drafting him. It, I'm just, that's just a wasted pick for someone else in my head because we don't like he might see the majors this year. It might it might be in August. And if so, and he's on the waiver wire, I'll pick him up. But I am not wasting a draft pick on a guy that might not play for four months. In like a standard league, it's just like draft picks are just too valuable. Yeah, it is. Or you could get absolutely lucky like I did in 2018 and get a good consider in the last two rounds. Yeah, like every, (laughs) every now and then, like you'll draft like a Trey Turner and he plays right away. Or you'll draft like a Tatis and he plays right away. Yeah. But I don't, that's very much. Luis Robert last year. Yeah, or Alonso, yeah. like that's not that's not happening with Wander Franco. No, I don't think it is. They they take they take their control time very very seriously in Tampa, as we just saw. Um, as for underrated players, Ryan Yarbrough. We, so oh, we, we we like to call him the fratty pirate because Yar bro. Uh, so he is absolutely elite at oh, inducing. <laughs> He is absolutely elite at inducing soft contact and avoiding hard contact. He's basically Kyle Hendricks without the fanfare. Don't draft him and expect strikeouts, but he is going to pitch deep enough into games to get you wins, and he's going to generally keep the uh, ball in the park. And on the ground, soft contact, just it's what he does. Is he also one of the starting pitchers that his relief pitcher availability still? Hard to say. Like... When you were looking on Fantasy Pros earlier and I saw all those players listed with relief pitcher eligibility, I'm like, it's not like that in any of my leagues. Like, it really, the eligibility varies so wildly that I don't want to say that he's got relief pitcher eligibility. Yahoo, he's only RP available in Yahoo and ESPN. There you go. My two least favorite platforms. Yeah, average draft pick 250. Yeah, I could see draft. I'm a big fan. Very cool. And the Twins. We are moving on to the Twins. Um, I think they're a team that gets talked about at least the last couple seasons, like very commonly with like who to look at in terms of like fantasy draft and and like who to pick. And so I was I was really struggling. So like you obviously have like the two names you'd expect when you talk about them, like the 30, the 30, 100 plateau guys, like Donaldson and Cruz. What I think is an interesting target here is actually Max Kepler. He's getting drafted about 185th overall. His average is slightly projected lower than Cruz, but higher than Donaldson's. Slightly less home runs projected. The same amount of RBIs, about 100 picks later than Cruz, with the outfield availability. I really, really like him as a target. If you're looking for one more power bet to put in your outfield and you don't want to draft a guy in the top 100. I have nothing to add to that one. Good job. Thank you. You did I think it. You, I, I think you're not going to like my avoid, though. Nope, not at all. Cool. Um, my avoid is Luis Arias. Hate it. Um, 
if you're in, like, yeah, he's going to hit a really, really high average. I think he's projected, like, 311, and he's projected to hit, like, 19 doubles. That's about it. Uh, I, I think Arias is someone who has power in his bat that has not totally shown up yet. And he is one of the safest batting averages in the league, I think. It, so one of the things that baseball savant has that people don't take advantage of enough is rolling charts. So you can see how players did in their last 50 plate appearances and their last 25 plate appearances, whatever. And it lets you really visualize where the slumps were. And basically every chart of Arias towards the end of 2020 is just like a to the moon straight up. So I think Arias was on his way towards a big year last year if we had more than 60 games. But, you know, we didn't get to see it. So I'm, I'm, I'm not totally avoiding Arias. I mean, his average draft pick right now is like 402. So I'm not saying, like, avoid him completely. If you can get him in the last round, go for it. But I'm saying don't over, don't be like buying. I saw somebody that was like, he could hit 20 home runs if he gets power this year, and I'm like, buy, 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 and I'm like, I'm not buying. 480p, perfect. Right. If he falls to me at 450, fine, whatever. I'm a big I'm fan. Not, I'm, I'm a big fan. I got him in that dynasty startup. I'm a fan. Yep. So the. Twins have the opposite problem the, the Indians have, and they're in the same division, which I kind of like because symmetry, which is a lot has been made of their home run power that they've had the last couple seasons. And not a lot has been made about how well their pitching has done. They've obviously had to acquire more pitching to do so because they have a problem developing starters a little bit. But they do have some really, really interesting guys here. And so the guy who I think is underrated is Taylor Rogers, who is the 17th rated relief pitcher coming off of the boards. Um, I think that puts him about 110 overall. And he's only protected for 20 saves. And I think if the Twins are as good as advertised, that he's probably going to pick up a few more than that. So the the problem with him is that they just signed Sorry, Alex... They just signed Alex Calame. Yeah. And that's that could be that could present a problem because the the twins are a relatively forward thinking organization at this point. Their their coaching staff is is uh with it, and I worry that Colome and Rogers might be a closer by committee where they kind of you know get the lefty and righty heavy lineups respectively. Right, but if you're in a, if you're in a hold league too, oh, yeah. and they're yeah. alternating holds and saves, seventeenth relief pitcher off the board is way too low for him too. I think that's more what I'm talking about because I've always done old yeah, leagues. That's I don't know if I'm weird like that. So that's why I had him there. Also, it's crazy as it sounds. I think Jose Barrio is coming at the 27th starter off the board around pick 90 is also very, very low because if he kind of starts to get back towards his 2019 self and not the short sample size 2020 self, there's some potential ace upside there at around 90 for your second or third starter. He just needs he needs a third pitch so badly. Mm-hmm. But um, so. so there are a couple more players that I want to bring to uh, 
that I want to bring up on the Twins. Uh, there's yeah. actually there there are a lot of guys I like on this team. Like, there's a lot of interesting guys. This team took me like 30 minutes to like, look through. Byron Buxton, I think the power is legit. Um, oh. Miguel, Miguel Sano, uh, obviously the power is legit, it, and uh, Sano is a massive target in uh, OVP leagues. Mitch Garver, I'm expecting a bit of a bounce back. You know, maybe not, probably not fully to his 2019, but a bit of a bounce back. And Kirilov, uh, if Kirilov if Kirilov is in the majors on April 1st, I love him. I I have to, I have to say the funniest Kirilov story ever. In I, I just simmed like the 2021 baseball season and MLB the show, and the Twins traded Kirilov to the Nats for Scherzer at the deadline, and it's just the funniest thing I've ever heard. Would never do that in real life. <laughs> nope, never gonna happen. But, uh, uh, all right, so we are going to bounce down to the AL West. I'm going to hit the Mariners first. Cool. We're gonna, so, and I'm bringing up the Mariners first because I'm excited to talk about them because they are a very fun team with a lot of interesting players. Um, yep. And uh, sometimes they can be an afterthought because they're the Seattle Mariners. But uh, my favorite target on that team right now, and this is uh, this kind of falls more into the underrated camp, but there are several players in that camp for this team. I love Evan White. He hit the crap out of the ball last year. He, it didn't really reflect in his numbers because he swung and missed so much, but that wasn't really a big part of his game in the minors. So if he can get that, it, like if he can get his contact rates back to where they were in the minors while maintaining that kind of hard hit rate in the majors, he's going to be a monster. And he can run too. For a first baseman, he is fast. Uh, I don't know if he will ever have the intent needed to steal a lot of bases, but he's got the speed for it. So uh, I love that potential. If if he can be a, you know, if he can be a first baseman that hits 25, 30 home runs and steals, you know, eight or 10 bags, that's really valuable. That's really, really valuable. And yeah, uh, as for guys I'm avoiding, uh, Paxton, not a fan. Um, I He's another one in that, like, I'm sorry, that Strasburg area for me where like I'm just never going to draft them because I just don't believe that they're ever going to be healthy enough to pitch for a full year. Uh, Paxton did, really just did not look good when he was pitching for the Yankees. And I, I think there's a good reason that he signed for, thanks, uh, Mather, for significantly less with his hat in his hands or whatever it is Mather said. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm... I'm I think this year it's going to be particularly important to get pitchers who you trust to throw innings, and Paxton is not that for me. Uh, yeah. And then in the underrated camp, I really like Yusei Kikuchi. Uh, he gained some velo last year, which, as we mentioned with John Means, is can, can uh, mean future production. His cutter's nasty, and I'm very much in on him this year. I'm also really, really paying attention to any rumblings that Logan Gilbert might start the year in the majors. Uh, if I find out that Logan Gilbert is starting the year in the majors, that is an instant waiver wire pickup for me or an instant late round draft pick for me if uh, I'm still drafting at that time. So to talk about the Mariners for a little more, I normally try and draft like a prospect in one of my last two rounds that I think is going to get called up at the start of the season. Last year, I drafted Devin White. Worked out pretty well for me. Um, I've also been a Kikuchi fan in the last couple of years in fantasy as well, and I think he's severely underrated for what he does in terms of pitching numbers. So I'm glad he was included as your Mariners pick. 
So uh, where do you want to go to next? Let's uh, uh let me let me hit the Rangers and then we'll move on to the Angels. Cool. So uh, with the Rangers, the, the Rangers are a very bad team at this point in time. So yeah. I mean, I don't want to say that they are Detroit-esque because they're a little bit better than that, but there's just not a lot of fruitful fantasy players here, at least for your standard leagues. There's Isaiah Kiner-Falefa if you want some steals and nothing else out of your catcher spot. But uh, as for a target, I'm kind of targeting Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo kind of like is what he is at this point. I'm not really ever expecting that true Joey Gallo breakout. Uh, thanks injuries for ruining ch- the chance at that. But he's going at pick 160, which is like, what, like the 14th round or something? Like, that's so low for a guy that might hit 40 home runs. I think, well, at, yeah, yeah. sure. I think at this point, like, especially with the dead end ball, and we haven't talked about this enough. That's actually one of the reasons that I think Whit Merrifield is going to underperform in power. Because uh, the ball is going to be deadened, and it's been calculated that balls that go 375 feet or whatever are going to lose a couple of feet. And that's relevant for guys that hit wall scrapers. It yeah. Is, it is not relevant for guys like Joey Gallo. That's uh, true. Yeah, MLB The Show legend, Joey Gallo. Dude dude hits dingers, and it hits them far. So the whole thing with the ball is they said they've deadened it. They've changed the machine production of it to get a more hand-stitched feel to it, so it's slightly looser, which is why they think caused the juice ball. I think they've done testing on it, supposedly, which is what you said. It's, it's dropped a couple of feet. I don't know if it's really good. I think it's going to affect it, but I don't think it's going to affect it that much as much as guys are making it out to be. I feel like the pitchers are going to have a better grip, which is going to help the pitchers because the stitches are going to be raised slightly more than they were on the original machine balls. But yeah, it's it's hard to quantify how it's going to help the pitchers. But as as far as purely batted balls, uh, people much smarter than me have told me that they're expecting a six percent decline in home runs league wide. And it's going to more heavily impact guys that don't hit the ball as hard. So, yeah. Uh, but the reason I bring this up is because I do not have that concern with Gallo. Large man hit ball far. Proven um, formula that works. Yes, yes. Gallo hits dingers, and I'm not worried about him hitting more. Uh, there's not really yep. anyone on the Rangers that I'm actively avoiding. I do not draft Isaiah kiner Falefa because uh, I like... Uh, I like guys catchers. Yeah, guys who can actually hit. I don't. I don't care about getting those extra ten steals from my catcher spot. I'd rather you know you know get good players that steal bases. Uh, that's like a desperation play for me, but not one that I usually find myself uh, going after. Uh, as far as underrated, I love 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 getting Nate Lowe late as a first baseman. He's he's in that Evan White range. But uh, he actually he's actually going quite a bit earlier than Evan White, and I understand why. Because anytime he got playing time for the Rays, he hit the ball, and just like his last name twin on his old team, dude just hits. I didn't know they got. I didn't know the Rays got rid of him. Yep. Wow. The things the more you know. So why don't you tell us about the Angels? Yeah. So the Angels. Uh, 
their target is following my trend for this, which is players that I think are going ridiculously low, um, even though they're being drafted in the top 40. So I'm going with Anthony Rendon here. He is at an average draft pick of 43. His high is apparently 14 overall in some leagues. And he's rated as the third best third baseman, which I kind of get knowing who else is at the position. But he's projected to bat 285 and have an on-base of 380, which he does every year like clockwork. 35 doubles like clockwork, 30 home runs, 95 runs, 95 RBIs, 85 walks, 95 strikeouts, and he's going 42nd overall. Like, there are five guys I would draft at third base. Him going 42nd overall, especially if, you know, Joe Adele does what Joe Adele's supposed to do and they can, you know, put Rendon and Trout third and fourth rather than them second and third right now. And, you know, you get Shohei or Tanya or Justin providing a little bit more batting support behind them to make them see more hittable pitches. And, you know, he's going to do better than that. So I, I'm targeting him for absolutely for an overdraft. Yes. Uh, so I've actually got him at uh, NFBC has him like in a virtual tie for like the sixth third baseman. And I mean, that's that's less of that that's less his skills than it is the depth of the position, because the guys going ahead of him are Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, LeMahieu, Arenado, Bregman. They're also the one NF, NFBC is also the one that skewed his ADP down. They have been the lowest at 45th. Right. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, NFBC hitter rankings tend to be a bit lower because experts are just going wild for pitchers right now. Uh, In NFBC, pitchers go earlier than in any other, uh, you know, platform, I believe. Uh, Lots of, lots of early pitcher runs in these leagues. So it's, Yeah. uh, yeah, all of the, all of the NFBC hitter rankings, especially the early ones are going to be skewed a bit low. But it's it's less no. about the actual position than it is like his ranking amongst his peers. Like they do still have him below Bregman, below Arenado, and I think, I, like I would definitely put Rendon above Bregman. I'd probably t- like I I can absolutely see taking him as like the third third baseman off the board. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably where he should be because he's never yeah, given absolutely. Yeah, like the only one I could see like really outperforming him like by a significant amount is Arenado and that's if he and he's in that ballpark now I'm I'm not really sure that that'll happen. Yeah. The the, the other thing is that he's now apparently MLB Network's best third baseman since apparently he doesn't play in a redacted town that apparently doesn't have a baseball team anymore. So But anyway, we we, we did just mention how what his competition is like. I don't think it was Washington. True. No, it wasn't. I just found it so weird. Like, he had it down, like, the two, the year he's been there, even though it was a short season, he didn't do as well, and now he's the best third baseman in baseball. It's like, really? Well, if you think about it, like, a lot of the guys who were his competition had even worse down years. Like, Rendon, That's true. Rendon was that still good. True. Bregman was pretty rough. Arenado was pretty rough. Yeah. But, yeah. The avoid for the Angels follows a similar one to the Twins, which is a one-trick pony in David Fletcher. He's going to get you 280 batting average. If he hits like he did last year, it might be closer to 300. 
speaking of 20 steals and like 21 doubles. And that's pretty much all the stats he's going to accumulate for you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to getting Fletcher, especially at his draft price, because he's versatile and he will get you those steals. So he's kind of a really good player to pick up as like a, a plug, uh, like, like a, what do you call like a glue guy. Yeah, a late, a late, a late inning draft plug. Yeah, because he's, I, I know he seems like a one-trick pony, but he's going to get you batting average. He's going to get you some steals, which are always good, and he's going to get you runs. So he's really kind of a three-category performer. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I know he plays second base, which is, you know, relatively weak position in quotation marks or in an interesting position in quotation marks. But you know, two two thirty, I think, is a little high for what he's going to do for you. Um. Underrated players. Um, this is the absolute one where I'm about to go crazy. It's Mike Trout. How is he going sixth overall? So, I had the same reaction. And go, go, go ahead with your spiel. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna explain why in a bit. Who are you taking number two through five? I can get Mookie Betts going above him. Who are the other guys? Wait, who's your and number one? Mookie. Okay. Then it should be Trout at number two. Who is going two through five? And then I will get to my serious underrated player from the Angels. So the the reasoning that I've heard behind Trout going lower than you would expect is the fact that people aren't sure if he's going to run again. Because he's, he's kind of stopped running. And he's still as fast as ever, so his stealing is all about intent. If he chooses to run, then yes, he is. He probably should be the number one pick if he chooses to run. But if he's not going to run, then how is he any better than Juan Soto? And if he's not going to run, then he's pretty clearly worse than like Tatis and Acuna. Okay, so he's projected between 11 and 17 stolen bases. Yeah, that's low. That's not what you want to have a first round. That is low for him. That is low for him. Um, what is so- Now I'm curious what Soto's projected. Soto's projections are insane. Not steals though. They're they're eleven to fourteen steals. Holy mother of God! So does not. I, I I'd be shocked if he stole fifteen bases. He actually said he wanted to. He actually said. I, he yeah, to I heard that today. he's working yeah. on his agility. But I again, you know, that's just so anyway. Best shape of his um, life. Yeah, absolutely. I love this. Actually, all right, so uh, our our favorite thing around the pitcherless Discord right now, uh, you know, you know, like the 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 engagement ring thing. He went to Jared. Our favorite thing is he went to Driveline. Because uh, all like it's like the pitcher's best shape of his life thing. They worked out at driveline in the yeah. offseason, even though like none we, of the I, original driveline people are there anymore and all work for major yeah. league teams now. Right. And we're, we're, you hear it constantly. Yeah. I find it really funny. Everybody talks about driveline, driveline, driveline. None of the original people are there. They're all working for major league organizations now. Yeah. But I mean, in theory, the, the processes are in place. Like That's like, true. Yeah. That is true. Um, but my serious pick for underrated player right now for the Angels is Shohei Otani, the batting side. This is a guy who's going to hit 22 home runs, the same amount of doubles, hit 70 runs, 70 RBIs, that close to 270, and he's currently being drafted around 230. He actually gets steals. And he is projected to get like 14 steals. 14 to 17 is his range. So... He's only going two four. He's going only going two thirty overall. Why? 
it's the, it's, it's the elbow. Is it the health? It's, it's the, the health. It's, it's purely the health. Yeah. If I. Yeah, if he's healthy, absolutely. They've already discussed their intent to uh, have him throw innings this year. So I mean, who knows how his arm's going to hold up? That's but, true. Uh, I'm looking at our clock. We are at at least 70 minutes here, so I've got two teams left. I'm going to blaze through these to try to cut us off at like uh, 75. All right, lightning round. Athletics. Matt Olson bounce back season. He's got an NFBC ADP of like 90, and I'm absolutely taking him before that with first base not being super deep. One of the things I've noticed in my mock drafts this year is that the first base depth kind of cuts off pretty like earlier than you would expect. And with the ball being deadened, He's another one of those Gallo type guys that he is not going to be affected by that. Cool. So who are you avoiding? No one, really. Most of the A's are appropriately hyped or even too low because the vibes around the team are kind of bad right now. I think it was because of their like inactive offseason. Uh yeah, so uh, really there's just no one that I'm actively avoiding at their ADP. Maybe Ramon so Loriano. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. So is there anybody who's underrated on that team then? I uh, I almost dropped an F, but I'm allowed to. I fucking love AJ Puck. Uh, I'm allowed my one. I get my one. Uh, I'm allowed AJ Puck. Uh, I love AJ Puck late. The only question with him has always been his health. So I'm taking a flyer on him late, and it could be hugely beneficial. He's had the talent to be a frontline starter all along, and early word out of camp is that he's healthy and will be in the rotation. If he pitches a lot of innings, I, I'm willing to bet they're going to be good innings. Cool. Uh, I like I like the pick too. Yeah, and final team, the Astros. This might be your last chance to get Jordan Alvarez at a reasonable price before his draft stock goes back to where it was at the start of 2020. The upside here is absurd. He basically hit like slow Mike Trout the last time he was healthy. If his knees are good, I want Jordan on every one of my teams at this price. Uh, But the health is a huge if in his size. Yes, but he's going late enough. But yeah, he kind of falls into that Stanton Judge camp where he's a massive mm-hmm. human being. But yeah. if they move him to DH early in his career, I like his chances to uh, kind of buck that trend a Fair little enough. bit. Uh, I players am I'm avoiding? very surprised. Very yeah. surprised here. Uh, Zach Greinke. I'm avoiding Zach Greinke. Yeah. He is just at that age where I'm not drafting him anymore. That's it. I don't draft Verlander anymore. I don't draft you know Scherzer anymore. I'm not drafting Greinke anymore. He's old. And that's really the end of that. Maybe that's a personal preference. Uh, I, you know, the the, the, Understandable. Decl- yeah, the decline is going to come. I don't know if it's going to come this year, but I'm not going to yeah. be the one with him on my team when it does happen. Cool. And as for underrated, there are a lot of guys who are underrated on the Astros. What? I looked at this and it blew my mind. You're telling me Alex Bregman is not going in the top 30. Jose Altuve is barely going in the top 100. And Brantley and Correa are going between 125 and 150 overall right now. Dude, Bregman had like one of the best starts to a career ever. Like his his offense production was insane as early on. Okay, Altuve. How does Kyle Tucker have the best average draft pick on this team? Well, Kyle Tucker, I love. The, the, we're, we're, this is this I is, do is a, too, this but... is a Kyle Tucker positive spiel. But uh, I I yeah, Altuve had a bit of a down year. Everyone likes to. Uh, crap on him because of the buzzer thing and the, the the trash can thing but he was amazing in the playoffs he was so good in the playoffs and so was Correa the, the like it's such a small sample size that I think it's malpractice to not consider the playoffs in these rankings and and like their stat lines from last year which is another reason I'm so big on a Rosarena from earlier but Framber Valdez, Urquidy, McCullers, 
remember when Houston was like a pitching factory and we wanted every pitcher on Houston? When did that stop? It didn't stop. People just stopped liking the Astros. You still want Astros pitchers. Like they still have the development system in place. Uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, Christian Javier. Like they have, like these are, Framber and Urquidy, Urquidy have done nothing but succeed in their careers. I had I had Urquidy and Josh James last year in one of my leagues. Yeah, maybe don't draft Josh James. Dude can't stay healthy. Yeah, I got hit. I picked him up for like spot starts like four times. But, okay, we're good. We're done. Lightning we're round done. over. Lightning round over. Um. So yeah, thanks guys for for tuning in for for that mess. Um. I was hoping we would get a longer MLB the Show video to talk about on this Tuesday. Yeah, they they haven't dropped much yet. But the the new menus look really really cool. They showed off in the video. Yeah. Um. And the technical test is out, and I'm sure we'll get a breakdown of that when it's yeah, over. Yeah, we, we, we've, uh, we've both dabbled with it a little bit, and we're not allowed to talk about it. Exactly. Um, so hopefully we get a cooler video Thursday and next Tuesday to talk about next week, where we'll be doing our NL breakdown and trying to beat our hour and 15 minutes on that one. Wait, beat, beat as in go longer or go shorter? Whichever one you want to pick. Okay. I'll let you choose. All right, any, anything else this week? Good Lord, no. I've done enough talking. Exactly. Same here. Um, so with that, guys, thank you for tuning in and listening. As always, you guys can find us on the podcast account at Tape Measure Pod. He is at Schwebzy. I'm at Rye Rye Jones, and we will see you guys next week. Bye, friends. That was a long one.